Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. What to watch for in 2023 across the government landscape. It's Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where we'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Department of Veterans Affairs will be obtaining an independent audit of its IT systems and cybersecurity programs. President Biden has signed the Strengthening VA Cybersecurity Act of 2022, which aims to boost cybersecurity across the department and protect veterans' data. The Army will soon have a new leader at the top of its IT shop. Army Chief Information Officer Raj Ayer announced yesterday on LinkedIn that he will depart the branch at the end of his contract in the coming weeks. Ayer was the first civilian CIO in the Army's history. The deputy CIO at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is also on the move. Bobby Saxon is leaving CMS to join Lidos after six years at the agency. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. Salesforce is a connected platform that powers government health services. Salesforce helps public entities engage with their health constituents on a single intelligent platform to improve care outcomes from anywhere. Learn more at sfdc.com PSH. We're going to do something a little bit different on today's episode of the Daily Scoop podcast. Today, you'll hear from a couple of my Scoop News Group colleagues and the top stories they'll be following in the new year. Mike Farrell is editor-in-chief of CyberScoop. Mike, thanks so much for joining me today to talk about the top storylines for CyberScoop in this coming year. Let's start with an obvious one. We know you've been anticipating Biden's forthcoming cybersecurity strategy for a while now. So what's the latest on what you're expecting from that strategy and what you think it'll focus on? Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, Billy. Good morning. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we've been tracking since the summer, right? Uh, People have been anticipating this strategy. It'll be the first one since uh, the cybersecurity strategy from the Trump administration. Um, And everything we've been hearing is it's going to be a more muscular, more forceful strategy, a way for the federal government to sort of exercise more power and drive change within industry. I think there's some there's been a level of frustration that maybe industry hasn't been keeping up with what the government expects, you know, in terms of fixing vulnerabilities, being more proactive in cybersecurity. So we've seen a few hints out there about this. And um, but from everything we know, it's still making the rounds. People are reading it, commenting on it. But we do expect it soon. Uh, we As we reported uh, recently, Chris Inglis, the National Cybersecurity Director, is slated to leave. So I do expect this probably to come out before he uh, leaves office in the next few months. I know another thing that you've placed great focus on in, in the last year, in 2022, were sort of the cyber warfare aspects of the ongoing war in Ukraine. I'm sure that will continue as long as the war does. How do you see that evolving in 2023? Yeah, it's something that we've been watching closely. Um, it um, is something we're going to continue watching. It's a volatile, evolving situation. Cyber has played a significant role, I think maybe less so than people had anticipated originally. And the attacks that we do see, you know, do see have ripple effects across Europe and also in the West um, and in the U.S. in particular in terms of what we anticipate it's hard to know, right? Um, will there be attacks on critical infrastructure? Um, we we did see some warnings from uh, 
the intelligence agencies that there could be attacks on the energy sector as a result of the war. So, you know, that's something we'll be paying close attention to. So attacks on energy, other critical infrastructure. Um, We have seen an attack on a company called Viasat, which is a satellite internet operator that took down the internet right at the beginning of the war. So, again, cyber hasn't been, you know, a dominant factor in this conflict, but it has certainly been an issue and we'll continue keeping track of that. And Russia is not the only threat out there in terms of the American national security. China's a big one, although there's not a direct conflict going on right now. But how do you continue? How, how do you see that uh, coverage of that conflict or potential for conflict in the cyber uh, domain uh, evolving in 2023? Yeah, over the past several years, right, we've seen the you know the the relationship between Washington and Beijing to continue eroding, and I think even you know starting. years ago, but sort of accelerating during the Trump administration and carrying on through the Biden administration, we see this pushback against China, Um, these warnings that there's a national security threat by using technology that's produced in China. So we've seen, you know, bans against using Huawei equipment, for instance, in telecommunication systems and people stripping that equipment out. So there's there's that that's happening Um, The TikTok bans that are beginning to proliferate in states, this is being that, you know, TikTok is now banned from people's government devices and things like that. We'll see where that goes. There have been some calls to ban TikTok altogether, which is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance. But I I see that as as really unlikely to, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to convince millions of American teenagers to delete TikTok from their phones. But we, but it'll be interesting to see like where this goes. You know, every you know, not every, but most te- pieces of technology we use, some component is produced in China. And if you think about all of that being a national security threat, it's just kind of an impossible task to strip all of that out of all of the equipment and technology and software and everything else that makes up our daily lives now. And then here back at home, how do you see the battle for uh, another topic, encryption, sort of evolving in this coming year? Yeah, we have seen um, this sort of this battle over encryption, privacy. Um, Again, another tension point with the government um, and technology that has been going on for several years, you know, sort of the one side saying encryption harms national security and law enforcement because uh, you can't get access to communications for investigations. The other side saying that, well, this is a, a, a much needed privacy tool that keeps everyone safe and secure on the internet. It sort of, it bubbled up again when Apple made some moves to encrypt iCloud. Um, and Apple's not the only one. We've seen more encryption coming from Google as well. Facebook is supposed to be encrypting its messaging platform as well. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes if it, you know, if this battle comes up again. But as as a result of, I think, one, we are seeing other ways that law enforcement has to get into um, into devices, right, or track people. And one of the things we're tracking as well is, is spyware, right? This is becoming a big issue. And you're seeing that proliferate, um, as a way to track phones, and that's something the Biden administration has, and some members of Congress have taken up as a cause to try to 
reduce the usage of spyware in the, in the U.S. in particular. Yeah, that encryption conversation seems like one that comes and goes and is going to be around forever on this cyber beat. I think we can all agree that we want our communications private. In certain cases, law enforcement wants to get access to people's communications, and I think this is pushing law enforcement and other entities, you know, the intelligence community here and abroad to use other means to get into phones and uh, track our, our, our communications. Mike, as we wrap up here shortly, uh, two sort of emerging topics. W one is AI. The other is sort of the crypto marketplace. Um, but let's start with AI. Uh, we hear a lot in the federal space about AI sort of being uh, this 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 bolstering force for technology and IT modernization, but I know it can be both a force for good and sort of a, a security risk in your space. So talk about that and how you plan to cover AI in the coming year. Yeah, one of the big stories just uh, over the past couple of months has been ChatGPT, right? This tool that you can use to write all sorts of things. So kids in high school are using it to write papers, um, answer questions, and it can also write malware. Um, and I think we're just beginning to see the power of these types of tools to speed up the, uh, I don't know, the intelligence of like the attacker and like the things that you're able to do at scale and how it can learn and evolve and learn from what else is out there. So, um, and that's just the beginning of AI and, and the way it can, you know, proliferate and speed up the way the attackers are operating, giving them another tool um, to use to you know, carry out all sorts of things, phishing attacks, uh, ransomware, um, those sorts of things, uh, smarter um, uh, emails that might you might uh, click on. Um, if you really think, if, if the language can really match somebody you think is sending you something who's legitimate, on the other side of that, it can help defenders. Uh, it can speed up the way that we test for vulnerabilities. It can look for abnormalities and things like that. So it's it's a you know it's it's one of these things like encryption, right? That has is is great and serves lots of purposes. But you can see the see other uses for it that you know some people might have just be dealing with it's going to be a challenge um crypto in the crypto marketplace is a good a big question right we just in 2022 we just reported that there's something like four billion dollars in um, losses due to hacks of cryptocurrency exchanges and marketplaces and and um, you know directly people who invest in 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 crypto so i mean i think it's inevitable that that marketplace is going to undergo uh, a lot of regulatory scrutiny. It's going to become more regulated. Uh, people are going to lose more money. People are going to pull out of the marketplace. And it's just a big question mark on where that ends up going this year. It's, it's interesting. I think a lot of your topics and answers that you gave today, there's, there's this black and white and there's this good and bad and it, there's a lot of balance and there's no right answer. And it's going to be interesting to see how these things kind of unfold over the new year. But uh, Mike, always a pleasure to chat with you. Happy new year and best of luck in 2023. Thanks, Billy. You can learn more about cybersecurity trends for 2023 at the daily Salesforce brings the public sector and customers together in the digital age. To access the new Veteran Mental Health and Resiliency Resources module, go to trailhead.salesforce.com.
Up next, let's hear what our defense scoop team will be following at the Pentagon in 2023. John Harper is managing editor for Defense Scoop. John, welcome to the podcast. I know that Defense Scoop has a number of items it's looking to watch for in 2023. Uh, one of the big things we saw in 2022 was the continued emergence of JADC2. Um, so I'm curious, how do you think that'll continue into this year? I imagine it's going to be a pretty big focus area for the publication. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, the Air Force recently set up uh, an ABMS program office to try to coordinate all the efforts on the Air Force side. Uh, meanwhile, the Navy is uh, moving ahead with Project Overmatch. Um, this month, uh, I believe they're going to be uh, deploying some of these uh, JADC2 technologies with the Carrier Strike Group uh, to see how that goes with the idea of uh, expanding it out uh, further into the fleet uh, as time goes on. And the Navy has been, uh, uh, on one hand, kind of tight-lipped about what they're doing, but also kind of touting this as something that could be form the backbone for the rest of the military's JADC2 networks. So it'll be interesting to see if they start talking a little bit more about it, um, uh, especially since they've been less vocal than the other services. Uh, meanwhile, the Army uh, is moving forward on their annual project convergence exercises. Uh, there'll be another one of those uh, later this year. And they're really putting a lot of different systems through their paces um, at um, some of these test grounds uh, for experiments and just to kind of see how all these things mesh together from both a network and uh, just, a, you know, technology functionality perspective. And I, I, the interesting thing to me about this storyline is that, as you sort of mentioned, each of the services has its own flavor of JADC2 in these projects. And I would imagine at some point there's going to have to be some sort of um, – oversight or um, some coordination among those things? Is that something you think you'll see in 2023? Absolutely. Uh, Deputy Secretary uh, Kathleen Hicks uh, has made this uh, one of her priorities, and she's tasked the uh, Chief Digital and AI Office uh, to help kind of pull this together uh, between the different services, especially from kind of a software and data uh, integration perspective. So I expect to see some movement uh, on that front. Definitely. And, uh, you, you know, based on folks I've talked to, it sounds like OSD is going to need to take uh, a good amount of oversight on this just to make sure all the different services, uh, JADC2 initiatives uh, are on the same page and, you know, meld well together. Because otherwise, if the services are totally doing their own thing, uh, you know, this might not come together the way that Pentagon leadership hopes it will. It wouldn't be so joint if that were to happen. Uh, cybersecurity is without a doubt one of the biggest topics in the DOD IT space. Um, we hear a lot about zero trust, but we also hear a lot about this thing called CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. Um, and we know that there's some anticipated milestones coming up in this year for that and the sort of better cyber hygiene for the defense industrial base. How do you think that Defense Scoop will continue to cover that space in the coming year? Well, we're definitely going to be uh, keeping an eye on how things go with the uh, federal rulemaking process. Uh, we're expecting that to potentially uh, be completed for CMMC 2.0 here in the next couple months. And these CMMC rules could potentially be put into DOD contracts um, as early as May, um, at least that's kind of the latest timetable that DOD officials who are overseeing these efforts uh, have given us. And uh, CMMC, you know, is a huge deal because, uh, you know, in the future, once this gets rolled out, 
um, all contractors who want to do business with the Defense Department are going to have to adhere to these rules, uh, you know, depending on the nature of the work they're doing. Uh, you know, there are various standards they're going to have to comply with. So this is a huge issue for the uh, contracting community and something they're going to be keeping an eye on, certainly, and something that Defense Scoop is going to continue to track as this unfolds. One of the things you've personally written a lot about in, in your time with Defense Scoop is unmanned systems initiatives, and we've seen a lot of that um, in, in the uh, Department of Defense is sort of evolving focus on next generation air warfare and things of that nature. And obviously, there's a, a number of uh, usage of drones and other platforms like that uh, in, in Ukraine. Um, how do you see that continuing in 2023? The um, Air Force um, is very uh, uh, gung-ho about their collaborative combat aircraft initiative. So basically, you know, uh, fancy term just to refer to uh, robotic wingmen, essentially, that could accompany manned fighter jets into battle, perform a variety of missions, whether it's strike, um, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, uh, or to serve, you know, as as decoys, potentially. Um, And uh, air... Uh, Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall has said that they're planning to include funding for that uh, for a program of record um, in the uh, fiscal 24 budget request, which should be coming out here uh, in the next few months. So it'll be interesting to see how much funding is going towards that, how much they'll talk about their acquisition strategy for that, which they've been trying to flesh out. Certainly industry is forging ahead uh, with the technology that they're going to be planning to offer to the Air Force for that program uh, meanwhile, the Navy um, has uh, uh, seen a number of developments recently with Task Force 59 uh, trying to create uh, a combat cloud uh, system with uh, AI and uh, to, for mainly for intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance uh, purposes. Uh, that's over in the Middle East under the CENTCOM uh, purview, but uh, Navy Secretary Del Toro recently told Defense Scoop that uh, they're planning to create uh, additional task forces kind of along the lines of Task Force 59 in other regions of the world, uh, including potentially the uh, Indo-Pacific or um, Central and South America. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how quickly they stand those up uh, and continue developing those technologies. Um, And the Army, of course, has been experimenting with robotic combat vehicles. That's something that you know, later in the decade, they're looking at potentially incorporating into their uh, ground vehicle fleet. Um, so I'll be interested to see what kind of testing they do in that regard, how they continue to engage industry as they explore those technologies. I'm glad you mentioned the budget because budget season's right around the corner. And I'm curious what your thoughts, you give us some sort of insight into what it looks like for unmanned systems in the Air Force, but there's a lot more there. What are your thoughts on what the fiscal 24 defense budget request could look like or what um, that process might look like as it unfolds in the coming months? Well, it could come out um, as early as uh, February. Um, In recent years, sometimes the defense budget requests have come out, um, you know, a few months later for various reasons. Um, One thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on is the amount that's going toward RDT&E, which is basically the uh, programs that the Defense Department is pursuing to uh, develop their next generation systems. Uh, So I'll be interested to see where the funding is going um, uh, towards those initiatives, Uh, not just the top line, but 
for you know certain specific types of technologies that they're pursuing that gives you a good idea of what the true priorities are for the defense department you know whether they're putting their money where their mouth is um, and I'll also be keeping an eye on the balance between RDT&E and procurement. Uh, in recent years, we've seen record levels of RDT&E, uh, but the question is whether those technologies are ultimately going to transition you know, across that so-called valley of death uh, in the contracting world where they're actually procuring and fielding uh, these systems. So I'll be interested to see if there's kind of a shift uh, in funding from our DT&E, maybe more towards procurement, or if the current balance is kind of staying uh, where it is. So, John, as we wrap up, um, you know, looking forward, of course, there's one really big item that I know we as a team are really excited for, and that's defense talks. Uh, we had a phenomenal first defense talks in Defense Tech Week last year. Um, tell me what you're excited about um, as we anticipate that event. Well, I'm very excited about building on uh, what we achieved last year with that. It was a great event. Uh, we had a lot of officials there, including very senior Pentagon officials like uh, Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment Bill LaPlante. We had the director of the Space Development Agency uh, and a lot of other folks there across the services, across OSD. Uh, got a lot of great feedback on that event. Uh, for this year's event, which... Uh, you know, we're expecting to have early in the summer, uh, we're hoping to bring in uh, some additional speakers, uh, you know, covering a wide variety of topics, kind of like we did last year, uh, perhaps some, uh, you know, more uh, in-depth uh, discussions, depending on how the, you know, the format changes there. Um, but certainly looking to keep uh, that momentum going with that event. Um, it got a lot of attention last year, and I expect uh, even more excitement uh, for the next one coming up. Well, it was a big first year. Well, not officially a first year over yet for Defense Scoop, but uh, a lot a lot of progress made and a lot I think we have anticipated or we will anticipate for this coming year and really excited to go through it with you, John. Uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, and thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me on, Billy. You can learn more about DOD trends for 2023 at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again Tuesday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.